1949, she was born the youngest of four daughters in Maryland. She was a typical teenager. She liked doing things that teenagers did. She enjoyed horseback riding. Uh, she liked to go hiking. Uh, she enjoyed playing tennis. She enjoyed swimming. She really enjoyed swimming. In fact, it was her love of swimming that changed her life. You see, one day on June 30th of 1967, she dove into Chesapeake Bay and she had misjudged the depth of the water and broke her spine. Her name was Johnny Erickson Tata. And for two years, she lived in depression with suicidal thoughts and with doubts about her faith in God. For two years, she lay paralyzed, not just physically, but emotionally and spiritually. She didn't stop, though. She didn't give up. She didn't take her own life. No, instead she decided to do something. And do you know what she did? She learned to paint. Now you may be thinking, how does a quadriplegic person learn to paint? How, how does someone who's paralyzed learn to paint? She used her mouth. She put a, tooth, uh, a toothbrush, a uh, paintbrush in her teeth and learned to paint. She became a, a best-selling artist. And not just a best-selling artist, she became a best-selling author. She has written uh, nearly 50 books. She has a nationally syndicated radio program. Uh, she, has, she earned a college degree, a Bachelor of Letters. She also has been awarded six honorary doctorates. You put all of our education together, we don't have six honorary doctorates in this room, I, I would think. Maybe, I don't know. Smarter than me. Um, in 1982, she married a man named Ken Tata. She uh, didn't stop. She kept going. She didn't let her paralysis paralyze her. In 2005, she was named to the Disability Advisory Committee of the U.S. State Department. And like I said, she's an artist, an author, and, and a recording artist. She's done it all. All from a wheelchair. She didn't let her paralysis paralyze her. You know, I think sometimes we all get a little paralyzed. When I think about paralysis, I, I don't think of just physical paralysis, but I also think of emotional paralysis or spiritual paralysis. Sometimes we get emotionally paralyzed. Sometimes we're so emotionally paralyzed that we, 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 we can't move. And, and we can't move past the hurt. Or we can't move past the, the emotional heartache, the pain. And it paralyzes us. We get paralyzed emotionally. We get paralyzed in emotion, emotionally in that we can't forgive those who need to be forgiven. For those who have hurt us. For those who have inflicted injury upon us. We can't forgive them, and we fail to move, and therefore we are emotionally paralyzed. Or we get paralyzed by fear. 
How many of you are afraid of spiders? Yeah. You ever been so afraid of a spider that you just couldn't move? Yeah, thank you, Donna. Appreciate that hand. But you sit there and it's like, it's a spider. There's a spider in the bathtub. And you call for help. Somebody come kill the spider. That's me. I'm not the spider killer. I'm the one who's calling for help to come kill. Shannon, come kill the spider. But we'll be paralyzed by fear. And not just fear of physical things, but we'll be paralyzed by fear uh, of all kinds. Fear of failure. Have you ever been so afraid to fail that you just didn't move? And you failed to act? And you failed to move? Because you were paralyzed by fear. Or, or maybe you've been so afraid to do what God wants you to do. Whatever God is calling you to do. What is God calling you to do? And you're afraid to take a risk. And so you don't do anything. And you don't move. And you fail to take a risk. Because you're paralyzed by fear. That was almost my story. Some of you know my story. Some of you don't. But here's my story. Uh, and how I got into ministry. The reason I'm here on this stage today is because I moved. I was down at Indiana State studying to be an actor. I was a theater major. I was going to be an actor. I was going to go to Hollywood. I was going to make it rich and famous. I really, I was. I was. It was lightning was going to strike for me. I was going to be the next Tom Cruise. And then I discovered the joy of potlucks um, and an aversion to working out. Um, but, uh, so I'm down at Indiana state and I drop out of college. My parents were so proud. So I become a college dropout. I'm working two jobs and I'm miserable. I'm living in a, at a hole in the wall apartment in Terre Haute, Indiana. For me, I felt like I'd hit rock bottom and I was miserable. I was tired. I was exhausted. I had no purpose in life. I had no, my life had no meaning. I was just living day to day. And so one night I, I'm laying in bed and I cry out to God. I say, God, what do you want me to do with my life? And I heard a voice in my head. Now this is different than the other voices I hear in my head. This was a different voice. I heard a voice that clearly said, minister. I said, I don't want to be a minister. And I rolled over and I went to bed. I went to sleep. A few weeks later, I'm at a retreat uh, 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 with all the campus ministries from around the state of Indiana. And this lady named Doris comes up to me. And she says, what is your name? I said, I'm Sean. She says, Sean, what are you going to do with your life? I said, I've been asking myself that very same question. She said, you're going to be a minister. Put her finger right here. She said, you're going to be a minister. It's confirmation, my friend. I had to move. I had to act. I had to do something. I couldn't let my, uh, my paralysis uh, go on any longer. I had to move. And I enrolled in Lincoln Christian College. And nearly 18 years later, here I am today. Sometimes we get so paralyzed by fear or paralyzed emotionally. Or we'll even get paralyzed spiritually. We'll, we'll, we'll get to the point where we, we doubt God or we're angry with God because of something that happens in our lives or some injustice that we perceive. And we'll be so angry with God that we are spiritually paralyzed. We're afraid to move. We, we can't move anymore. 
We can't do what he's calling us to do. We can't act in the way that he's calling us to act. We stop believing because our doubts overcome us and we are paralyzed spiritually. So what can we do when we feel this way? What can we do when we're paralyzed by fear, when we're paralyzed by uh, emotionally, when we're paralyzed spiritually? Well, there's a story in the book of John that I think really helps us address this issue. We're talking about Jesus' miracles in the book of John in a series I call The Power of God in Your Life. And we're looking how God's power is revealed in our lives. And we see this in the miracles that Jesus did in the book of John. Jesus, uh, John records that Jesus did seven miracles in his gospel. And he, he used those miracles for a very specific purpose. And that was so that you may believe. These miracles were given so that we might uh, have faith inspired within us. That we might be inspired to believe and have faith that Jesus is the Son of God. That he is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That he is the Son of God. That he is God incarnate. He is God in the flesh. That we might believe. And that by believing we may have life in his name. So Jesus is uh, in Jerusalem. And uh, he had just uh, shortly beforehand had healed the royal official's son. Uh, in Capernaum. Jesus was in Cana. This is the miracle we talked about last week. Jesus was in Cana, which is about 20, 25 miles away from Capernaum. And time and distance, no match for Jesus. Jesus heals this royal official's son from 20, 25 miles away just by saying that he was healed. The father was desperate. And Jesus reached out to him in his desperation. And we talked last week about how desperate times call for deep faith. So Jesus goes from Cana and Galilee down to Jerusalem for one of the feasts. We're not sure which feast it was, but it was one of the three major feasts, either Passover or Pentecost or Tabernacles. But it was one of those three feasts where the people would go to Jerusalem to celebrate how God had worked in the past. And so he's in Jerusalem for this feast, and he's uh, by a pool. He's walking by a pool. There's a place where water collected. And this pool was called Bethesda. And it had five colonnades or porches. And under these porches lay people who were blind or sick or paralyzed. And so they lay under these porches. And there was a superstitious belief. A superstitious belief in those days that an angel of the Lord would come down from heaven and would stir up the waters of this pool. And this is why all the sick people, lame people, blind people, paralyzed people are laying around the pool. Is because when the angel of the Lord came down and did this, they believed that the first one in the water would be healed. Scholars believe that, well, it's nowhere in the Bible that this is true, and, and they doubt the, the validity of this superstition. They believe it was actually probably a spring under the water. And that when the spring stir, when the water st- was stirred up, then people would race to get in the water. And, and so you've got Jesus walking by this pool, and a man who is paralyzed and has been paralyzed for thirty-eight years is laying there. Jesus sees him, and he has compassion on him. Let's pick up the story in John chapter five. Uh, if you have a, a Bible, uh, if you brought your Bible with you, turn to John chapter five, verses one through nine. 
If you didn't bring a Bible, you can use the Bible in the pew in front of you. It's on page 753. If you're not familiar with the New Testament, it's on page 753, but it's John chapter 5. And we're going to pick it up in verse 5. John 5, 5 says, One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. For 38 years, his body had been paralyzed. He had been unable to move, unable to walk. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? The Greek word there for well is a word that means whole. This man's paralysis had left him with a hole, had left him incomplete, had left him paralyzed, not just physically, but spiritually and emotionally as well. He had a hole inside of him. And Jesus asked him, do you want to get well? Do you want to be made whole? Sir, the invalid replied, verse 7, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The story goes on that the Jews uh, had found this man who they knew was begging, who he, they knew he was uh, paralyzed, and they saw him carrying his mat, and they get very upset because he's working on the Sabbath by carrying his mat. And they said, who told you to pick up your, to carry your mat? And he said, the one who healed me. He doesn't even know who Jesus is. He doesn't even know Jesus' name. He just says, the man who healed me. You see, this man was laying there. And he was paralyzed, physically paralyzed. But more than that, he was paralyzed emotionally and spiritually. You know how I know he was paralyzed spiritually? Because he believed in a superstition more than he believed in God. He had more faith in a superstition than he did in his creator. You know how I know he was paralyzed emotionally? Because he made excuses. His excuses uh, were what kept him uh, from uh, what kept him paralyzed emotionally. He was making excuses. There's no one to let me into the water or somebody else gets in ahead of me. And so he makes excuses. He's paralyzed physically. He's paralyzed spiritually. And he's paralyzed emotionally. What about you? What about me? I think sometimes we get paralyzed emotionally and spiritually as well i think sometimes we get paralyzed uh spiritually and we're afraid to move yet i think jesus though what he would have us do is do just that he would have us do what he told the paralyzed man to do the first thing he would tell us to do is get up it's time to get up it's time to move so get up Sometimes we get paralyzed by superstitions, religious superstitions, if you will. Sometimes we get paralyzed by religious superstitions. We think that, okay, if I, if I hold on to this charm, if I uh, pray this prayer, if I pray these words in this way, at this time, at, on these days, then, then God has to protect me, or God has to heal me, or God has to be with me, or God has to provide for me, that if I will do these things, if I will follow this religious formula, then God has to do something for me. And we, we fall victim to religious superstitions. 
If I go to church so many times a year, if I, if I have perfect attendance, then God has to do something for me. Uh, if I follow, uh, if I say these words in just the right way, then God has to do something for me. And, and so we follow a, a religious formula, a, a religious superstition, if you will. When in reality, we are being called to trust Jesus. We are being called to trust God, to trust Jesus for salvation. I talk about it every week. How, how are we saved? We put our faith and trust in Christ, and by the grace of God, we are saved. We believe in Jesus. We repent from our sins. We confess our faith. We're baptized. And the Holy Spirit comes to dwell inside of us. We are made whole. We are cleansed from our sins. But you know what? You, want, you know what? It's not the words that we say, the confession that we say that saves us. Uh, it, is, it is not the water in the baptistry that saves us. There's nothing special about that water. It's just highly chlorinated Griffith tap water. There's nothing special about the water. Nothing special about the words. It's the grace of God. So it's not a religious formula that saves us. It is the grace of God that saves us. And we trust in His grace. We trust in Him. And so we don't try and manipulate God with religious superstitions. We don't try and manipulate God with our formulas. We don't try and manipulate God with our prayers. Instead, we put our faith and trust in Christ. We stop playing around with religious superstitions. We stop playing around with superstitions. Psychics won't help you. Horoscopes won't help you. We believe in Jesus. We put our faith and trust in Him. The second thing we do, the first thing we do is we get up, we stop playing around with religious superstitions, the second thing we do is we pick up our mat. You see, this invalid, this paralyzed man was laying on a mat of excuses. He was laying on a mat of excuses. There's no one to lower me into the water. Other people get in ahead of me. And sometimes we will make excuses for why we can't do this or why we can't do that. Oh, I, I, don't, I, I don't know what God wants me to do. And so we don't move. Or, 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 or we know what God wants us to do and we're afraid. I'm afraid to fail. I'm afraid to risk. And I'm afraid to take a risk. I'm afraid that I might fail God. And so we fail by default. We don't move. We're paralyzed by fear. We don't move when God tells us to move. And we lay on this mat of excuses. I can't forgive her. I can't forgive him. You don't know what they did to me. You don't know how he hurt me. You don't know how she talked about me. You don't know the pain they inflicted. You don't know how the, the pain they caused. I can't forgive them. And we make excuses for why we can't do that. I can't work on my marriage. It's fallen apart. It's too late. It's too far gone. Or it's all their fault. If they would just change. We've never said that before. If only he didn't. If only she wasn't. I don't have time. That's the big excuse, right? I am too busy. I am too busy. I'm too busy to spend time with God in prayer. 
I'm too busy to spend time in God's word. I'm too busy uh, to worship on a regular basis. I'm too busy to work on my relationship with God. I'm too busy to fellowship with other Christians. I'm just too busy. Or I'm too busy to work on my marriage. I'm too busy to work on my parenting skills. I'm too busy for my kids. If you're too busy for God, if you're too busy for your family, if you're too busy for your kids, then you're just not prioritizing right. What is going on that you're that busy? Priorities. Don't let it become an excuse. Don't let busyness become an excuse for why you can't. Pick up your mat. Do away with the excuses. Confront them. Say head on. This is the excuse I'm making for why I'm not doing this or why I'm not doing that. This is the excuse that I've been making and I'm not going to do it anymore. No more excuses. I'm going to move. The last thing that Jesus says to this man, he says, get up. He says, pick up your mat. And then he says, walk. In other words, it's time to move. The man does what Jesus commands him to do. He gets up. He picks up his mat and he walks. And the time has come for us to walk to do away with the religious superstitions, to do away with the excuses for, for our behavior. And it is time to walk, to leave the pool of Bethesda. See, the man had more faith in the pool than he had in God. He had more trust in this uh, superstition than he had in God. He had to leave the pool. He had to leave the mat. He had to stop making excuses, and he had to leave the pool of excuses in order to follow Jesus, in order to walk. He had to walk away from the pool. And we need to walk away from the pool. We need to walk away from those superstitions. We need to walk away from those uh, excuses. It is time to walk. And then just imagine. I mean, uh, just imagine for a moment what your life would be like if you weren't paralyzed anymore. You see, the point of this is this. Superstitions and excuses won't make you whole. Only faith in and obedience to Christ can do that. It wasn't until the man believed and obeyed that he walked. We need to do the same. To get up pick up our mat, and walk. And those spiritual muscles that have atrophied will become strong again. Those, the, that, that per paralyzed heart will start to beat again. The, the, the bones that ache and hurt, the spiritual bones that hate, that ate, that ache and hurt will be full of life again. Because, like I said, Superstitions and excuses can't make you whole. Only faith in and obedience to Christ can do that. It is time to do away with the superstitions, my friends. It is time to stop making excuses. And it is time to walk. To walk away from the pool and walk to Jesus and follow him. We're going to offer an invitation in just a minute. We're going to sing a song of invitation.
And maybe today is the day that you need to take a walk to Jesus. You need to do what he has commanded you to do and to walk to him. And and that starts by expressing your faith in him and and being baptized. You can do that today. We had a baptism in our first service. Nobody's going anywhere just yet. We'll wait for you if today is your day. Maybe you need to walk away from superstitions. Maybe there are some religious superstitions in your life that you're thinking, you know, you're trying to manipulate God through your superstitions. It ain't going to work. You need to walk away from the religious superstitions. Put your faith and trust in Jesus, the Son of God. Or maybe it's time for you to walk away from excuses, to pick up that mat and walk away from the pool of excuses. Say, no more excuses. I'm going to follow Jesus wholeheartedly with full devotion. Or maybe it's just to keep walking. Say, you know what? I'm, I'm doing better. I'm, I'm, I'm doing away with the superstitions. I'm doing away with the excuses. And now I'm just going to keep walking and keep following Jesus. So wherever you are, whatever you've got going on, Jesus commands you today to get up, pick up your mat, and walk.